0: Begin in Ephesians chapter number five, if you would turn there. Uh, we began this morning and looked at this Father's Day, talking about how we need uh, men who will fulfill their role as fathers. Uh, everybody enjoys being a dad, uh, and that's the, the fun part of it. Uh, on the way out of church, uh, I told one of the young couples in the church, "I says, Hey, today's the day for you. You get to be daddy today." just have fun with the kids, let mom be the mean one, okay? Another day you can be the father, today you get to have fun. Uh, and uh, it's Father's Day, so you get to take it easy. But uh, we talked about that, fulfilling our, our responsibility. And uh, this evening, I want to take this one step full, one step further and look at the aspect or the idea of leadership and maybe give us a little bit of thoughts or insights. I've got some lessons uh, on leadership, these our lessons on leadership that are that are applicable to every part of our life whether you are leading a business whether you are uh, a manager in a department store or a leader down at the lawn and garden center or You have any type of leadership, whether you're leading here at the church in different aspects of different ministries that we have, the security ministry or the ushers or Sunday school or, uh, you know, sound and and choir and all of the different aspects, just small segments of what makes a a church service possible. Many, many different people are involved and we're all leaders in some aspects serving in that capacity. Uh, But it's also applicable in the home. You know, if you're in the home and, and... you know, being a leader is not just standing up and, uh, uh, I'm the man of this house, bless God, you're going to do what I say. Okay, that's, that's not what a leader is. If you have to do that, you're not leading your home, you're driving your home. And if you're driving your home, you're going to drive them away from you. Um, leading is, is taking somebody with you. Leading is saying, come on, let's go. And, and you know, they say, if you want to know if you're leading anybody, just turn around and see if anybody's following you. Uh, And that's the thing. It's not just a matter of declaring your your position and, and bless God, everybody's got to get in line. Uh, No, it's you uh, earning the respect and those that follow you uh, choose to do so because God is blessing you. And so I want to just give you a few thoughts on leadership tonight. First of all, if we're going to be effective leaders, whether that's in our home or our place of business or wherever that might be, uh, we need to have the gift of gratefulness. We need to have the gift of gratefulness. You know, people serve and they follow and they work behind you. Uh, we need to be grateful for what they accomplish. I know that people that come to Hunt Valley Baptist Church and serve in many of the different ministries here—they're not doing it for Pastor Caleb. Well, they shouldn't be doing it for Pastor Caleb. They ought to be doing it for God. They ought to be serving God and and in their hearts and mind—that's what they want. And they're not looking for a pat on the back or recognition from the pulpit. They just want to serve and honor God. But as a pastor, as a leader, I ought to be grateful for. For what people uh, do for God that help the ministry move forward, because, you know, there's no way I can do it. There's just no way that I can do it all. More and more, I, I am uh, confronted with my limited ability. And I'll tell you what, it, it's amazing the amount of people that are involved in helping the services here move forward. People that just graciously give up their time and energy and come out during the week and different times and just help the church, and, and it wouldn't be possible without people like that. And, you know, I need to have a heart of gratitude and and show some thankfulness uh, to those that serve. And, you know, a little thankfulness goes a long way. You're in Ephesians chapter 5, familiar verse, verse number 20. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another familiar verse, First Thessalonians five eighteen. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As leaders, we need to have a heart of gratitude. Gratitude is a gift that gives back big dividends. It's a gift that gives back big dividends. You can express a heart of gratitude, and you'll see the fruit that comes from that. Many, many times, uh, you know, how is it you you think uh, kids learn to be grateful? Yes, there is some instruction there. Yes, you need to tell them to be thankful. Yes, you need to show them uh, points and reasons. But, you know, the real uh, method in which they learn to be grateful is by watching you. Do they see you expressing gratitude to God and to others for things that have been brought into your life, for the blessings that people are to you? Just yesterday afternoon, uh, I don't remember... (laughs) Was it yesterday that I grilled something for lunch or supper? Supper. I grilled something for supper last night. (laughs) The days run together. Uh, And we're grilling again tonight for whoever comes over. So, you know, trying to keep this all stuff straight. But anyways, I grilled something for dinner. And uh, we got done with dinner. And and Mary says, uh, thanks, son, for for grilling and for for making dinner. That's not an uncommon thing. That's very uh, typical of her. Uh, to express gratitude. You know, she's made m- m- how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals. I mean, just last week, I grilled one. She cooked all week long. I grilled one, and she says thank you to me. You know, I'm the one that's falling short here. I mean, I, there's a lot of thank you opportunities I missed throughout the week there. But, you know, the kids see that. They see that heart of gratitude and the, and the gratefulness, and, and they learn how to be grateful do kids or others see you expressing gratefulness to God? Do you know, beloved, that in a vacuum of gratitude, you'll suck the desire out of those around you? Regardless of what their motivation is, a little bit of gratitude is is really very powerful. Just saying thank you. Yep. And in a, in a vacuum of gratitude without any, uh, you know, gratitude or acknowledgement of what somebody did to try and serve or help you, um, you're going to suck the desire right out of them. They're going to say, you know what? I tried. I did what I could. They don't even know if I did it or they don't even care if I did it or didn't do it and, and whatever. And you say, well, they shouldn't be that way. But we're all human. We're all human and we deal with those different emotions. And I want you to understand that you'll, you'll discourage those around you if you... Uh, Refrain from expressing and showing any gratitude. Gratefulness is found in people who are content by nature. Gratefulness is found in people who are content by nature. That is in your heart and spirit, you're content. A man who is looking for nothing is very thrilled to find it. But, you know, if I was looking for a dollar and I was, I was spending some considerable time because I lost this dollar... I'm just slightly less annoyed when I find it. That's what I was looking, that's what I was expecting, that's what I was looking for. I remember one time when I was a kid, I was very young, probably five or six years old, and we were in uh, Disney World in Florida, and uh, (coughs) we were walking down through Disney World going from ride to ride, And I just started in the morning, I started going by every single vending machine, and I would push a button, every machine, boom, boom, you know, they have a whole row of machines. All day, I've been walking by machines, pushing buttons. I just thought, one of these times, I'm going to get some. I'm just pushing buttons. And wouldn't you know it, one time, shortly after lunch, mid-afternoon or so, I push a button, and out comes a strawberry milk. Now, I'm lactose intolerant. (laughs) Of all the things that I could have pushed, I mean, I could have looked through and chose something that I wanted. Instead, I got a strawberry milk. But I still remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, I won the lottery. I got a strawberry milk, and I'm glad it was strawberry instead of plain. But on a hot (laughs) afternoon, some of you that like milk, you're like, oh, yeah, great. Great. Not me, man. I'm like milk on a hot afternoon. Like, oh, no, that's not. But I still drank it because I want it, you know. I got it for free. I mean, I remember being so excited. Like, look at what I got, mom and dad. Man, look, I got a strawberry milk. I was so excited. Why? Because I wasn't expecting anything to come out of that machine. Had I put a dollar in there, I would have been expecting it to come out. What I'm saying is a lot of our gratitude or lack thereof is based upon how content we are with where we're at. If we're content and we're really not looking for or expecting something, it really is a blessing when somebody does something for us. When we expect it, it's not that much of a blessing. It's kind of like, well, that's what I was expecting you to do. You should do that. That's the wrong spirit. We need to be content and be grateful to those who are around us and those that serve. And I know some of you lead, lead companies and, and you have employees and people work for you and you're like, well, bless God, I pay them to do that job. They ought to do it. But how many of you know you, you can have an employee that does the job and does it good and works hard and you can have an employee that you have to always be on and always kicking them to move and always, you know, I mean, wouldn't it be good if you got somebody that's actually doing the job to just say, man, thank you. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for doing the job. I, I appreciate the fact that you're here. That goes a long way. Man, the fact that you were here on time today, that was a blessing. Thanks for being here. You say, well, they ought to be on time. I know, but how many of you know you got employees that don't show up on time? <laughs> you're waiting around for them. And so what I'm saying is just, just having that heart of gratitude goes a long ways to build motivation in them to continue to do that or to do even more for you. We've got to express gratefulness to those around us who make an effort or they will soon cease to strive for us. As a parent, you need balance in your life and with your children. Balancing expectations and your, your own satisfaction with where they're at. Because as a parent, our goal is to try and help them grow, right? Our goal is to help them be better. And sometimes we get so focused on what they should be, We don't stop to pause or think or consider what they are and look at what they did right and look at how far they've come and look at what they have accomplished. And yes, we want them to be so much more, but maybe we need to pause and be grateful for what they are doing right to to acknowledge and recognize that. A leader is going to be somebody that has a heart of gratitude. And we've got five of these, so we're going to try and move pretty quickly through here. Secondly is James chapter 10, and uh, James chapter 4, sorry. You're like 10, he's writing his new, own Bible. Uh, James chapter 4, verse number 10. Uh, familiar passage of Scripture, but James chapter 4 and verse number 10. Secondly, what we need, if we're going to be effective leaders, we need to have a heart of humility. A heart of humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Let God do the lifting. Let God do the, uh, you know, appointing. We just need to be humble. One time a writer came across a few soldiers who were striving to move a heavy log. This, they were move, striving very hard to move this log without any success. There was a corporal that was standing by and just watching as these men struggled. The writer that rode up couldn't believe his eyes. Finally, he asked the corporal, he said, sir, why aren't you helping The corporal said, I'm the corporal. I give orders. The rider didn't say anything, but in response, instead, he dismounted his horse, went down with the men, and helped the soldiers lift and move the log. The rider was George Washington, the commander-in-chief. George Washington is celebrated not just for being America's first and probably most famous president, but because he was a great leader, he wasn't too proud to say, hey, here's some guys that need some help. I'm going to get down there with them. I'm going to help them pick the log up. We're going to get the job done. That corporal needed some instruction on how to be a leader. I'm not just standing there telling people what to do, it's leading men by example, by being hum- humble. This is the conundrum of leadership. On one hand, people are drawn to the self-confident narcissist who is a strong leader by nature. But on the other hand, they can't stand that guy's pride. It's a balance. We need to have confidence to be able to lead, but humility, recognizing who we are and what we are. We need to remember from where we've come. That's a big key in staying humble. Remember where you came from. There is no room for pride. There is no room for casting stones. It is only self-pride that moves a man to be able to cast stones. You know the illustration. Jesus standing there and says, let him without sin cast the first stone. It begins to write in the sand, and we don't know what he wrote, but what we know is all his accusers decided that they weren't ready to cast stones, and they took off. And Jesus looked up and says, where are thou accusers? You see, it's only when we're full of pride that we're ready to cast stones at other people, because we forget who we are. We forget what God's done in our heart and how he's brought us along. Somehow you've forgotten about the sin in your own closet. You've forgotten about the faults in your own life. And sometimes as a leader, maybe a little bit like Eli this morning who was ready to come down on Hannah and say, uh, you know... Get the, the wine out of here. Why are why are they all drunk coming into the tabernacle? You can't, you can't do that. Oh, he was ready to jump all over her. But we need to remember who we are and lead from a place of humility. Sometimes a father will ask so much of his loved ones, you're acting like you walk on water and they can't measure up. And that will greatly discourage anybody that follows you. First Peter 5.6 says, Humble yourself therefore unto the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Humility. You need to be willing to admit when you're wrong. That's not popular in the workforce today. Is not popular anywhere. Nobody likes to have to admit when they're wrong. But a leader that has any measure of humility will understand that he's not perfect, that he makes mistakes, and there's times that he needs to acknowledge and address his shortcoming or his failure, his offense that he caused or his problem that was, was maybe brought on by his actions. You've got to be willing to admit that you're wrong. Say, oh, I, I made a mistake there. There's been times that I had to do that with my own kids where I made a mistake, where I misjudged or misread a situation and came in and cracked down on the wrong child and then Mary, quietly a little later. was like, uh, just so you know, that wasn't Caleb. It was Andrew. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, bless God, Caleb probably deserved it. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, no. Regardless of whether he did or not, if you don't own that, you will provoke your children to wrath. You need to come in and own that. You know what? Your kids will forgive you. They'll forgive you if you'll just be honest. If you just say, I messed up. I, I, I was too quick to act and I didn't hear the whole story or get the situation and, and I'm sorry and now I need to go whip Andrew. <laughs> kids were talking the other night about, about even something like that I don't remember the exact details but they were talking about how they were like Andrew was hoping that because I had already ripped somebody else for it that he wasn't going to get it you know <laughs> he's like well dad already got it out of his system so hopefully he won't do it to me you know uh, I don't remember the details but you know you just got to own it just be willing to be humble realizing that all of our ability comes from God Remember, God's the one that does the work. We need to deflect praise. I, uh, <laughs> we were standing around the kitchen today eating lunch, and the kids were talking and commenting. I won't tell you all of what was said, but one of the interns goes, uh, Boy, I just love the humility I hear in here. <laughs> the humility is great. <laughs> Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth a stranger and not thine own lips. That's humility. We not only need to have a humility, we need to have a heart of humility, but we also need to have a commitment to control, a commitment to control. Listen, you can't be a leader if you aren't in control. You need to be in control of yourself. Proverbs sixteen thirty two says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You need to be in control of yourself. Control of your your emotions. We talked about this in Sunday school, but most of the world today is controlled by their emotions instead of the other way around. They let their emotions dictate their life. You need to be in control. You know... Can your family count on you <clears throat> to be consistent? To be consistent in your emotions, to be the same person regardless of what's going on? You know, both anger and depression, or up or down, you can be, you can be out of control in, in any of those ways. Can you be consistent? Can you, in, in the workplace, can you, they expect you to be the same person? to be in control of your spirit. You're leading them, and one day they don't know, man, is the, boost, is the boss in a good mood today? Or is he, is he going to be ripping people's heads off today? You know, uh, how, how, how is he doing? You can't fly off the handle one minute and be Mr. Calm the next and expect your family and the workplace or whoever else to be walking on eggshells all the time, to not know for sure who it is that they're addressing today. If you're going to be an effective leader, you've got to be in control not only do you need to control your emotions your your anger your will, but you need to control your tongue. you need to control your tongue James chapter three verses one through five says My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. We need to control your tongue. You know, there's a big thing about communication in marriages. It's communication. You've got to have the right communication. But you know, a big part of a lot of the counseling I've done is things that were, came out of people's mouths that just should have never come out. There's just no, well, I didn't really mean it. But you said it. And now they have to just get over it or pretend that you didn't really think that or that, that you didn't, uh, you know, that's not really what you believed or, well, I said it when I was mad. They need to understand that. Yeah, and, and we're going to try and work through it. But if you just were, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You need to control that tongue. You know what Mama said. If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything, right? <laughs> just keep your mouth shut control your tongue. Not only that, you need meaningful manners. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. Be kindly, affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Manners. Having manners. This is something that's kind of going by the wayside today. Just common decency. Just being kind to one another. Having some measure of manners. In my study on this, I read one article and the author said this uh, At my own table growing up, we were very small savages. Uh, if we failed to put our napkin in our lap, ate before everybody was served, served ourselves first, opened our mouths while we were chewing, moved our forks from the left hand to the right, ate with our hands, failed to say please, thank you, or excuse me, put our elbows on the table, didn't ask permission to stand before moving. Failed to eat soup properly, that is a nearly impossible task, requiring one spoon at a time, sipping noisily while sitting upright uh, uh, until the last final spoonfuls are discreetly uh, acquired through a small tip of the bowl. We were ordered to push ourselves back from the table and contemplate our Philistinism for several monstrous minutes before we could return to the table. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be that bad, <laughs> okay? You don't have to be quite, quite to that level, uh, you know, but manners. There was a day where, where it was just common decency, where people had manners and, and respect. You see, manners are saying that I respect you. It's giving deference in honor, preferring one another. And what's a sad thing is many times in our homes... Our families are the brunt of some of the worst manners imaginable. Things that we would never do before a complete stranger. We have more deference or respect for a complete stranger than we do our own wife. Or our own children. Our family. What I'm saying is having some manners goes a long ways for a leader. There's no excuse for rude or vulgar manners. Have enough respect for your loved ones to use good manners. Good manners are putting others first. Putting others first. You know, don't take the last piece of cake. Don't, don't serve yourself first. Have some, have some manners. Don't be sure that you get the best seat or the biggest piece. You know, have some manners. Young people, have some manners. When you're here, don't race by the adults. Look adults in the eye and acknowledge them. Speak to them. Don't make them speak to you first. Don't make the adult pause and stop you and say, Hey, good morning. I mean, if you walk in and Brother Hunt's standing in the foyer, You should not walk through the foyer and ignore him. That's not good manners. It's common decency. In your heart and mind, you should say, I need to say hello to him. I felt really bad last night. Brother Greg came by the house to drop off my daughter after he was doing some work over there. And our dog, who's a little obnoxious, was like running around. And I was afraid our dog was going to get up on his car and... I did not want that to happen. So he was pulling to drop off my daughter. And I'm trying to get this dog and put him away. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know he was dropping off my daughter. But, you know, uh, I'm working to get this dog put away. And then Greg pulls off. And, and Melissa got out and left. But I'm like, man, I didn't even like, get to acknowledge him. I, didn't, I just said, hey, we'll see you, Greg. And Greg said, see you, Pastor. You know, he, he waved on his way out the drive. And I don't think he thought anything of it. But I thought, man, that was kind of rude of me. Like, I didn't even stop and talk to him. Does that type of stuff ever cross your mind? Do you ever think about other people and how they're reading your manners? Are you, are you exercising good manners, acknowledging people, just being kind? You know, something people don't want you to do today is open their door for them. Well, you know, the, the, the ladies who want equal opportunity, they want to open their own door. Um, but open the door anyway. Just be Just be kind. You see somebody coming in behind you. You shouldn't just let go of that door and keep on walking. You're like, I don't know them from Adam. doesn't matter. It's just common decency. It's having good manners. And if we're going to be effective leaders, you need to have good manners. It needs to be part of your life. Boys will learn that ladies are not that special and don't need to be treated special in a home where dad doesn't have good manners before Mom. Girls are going to learn that all boys are self centered pigs, that they're only out for themselves, and they shouldn't be trusted when boys aren't taught to have manners before the girls. And there's a lot of our homes this is turned this is this is degraded to the point where this type of thinking is non existent. And we wonder why our young people are are growing up and have these kind of spirits, why they have this attitude. Because they haven't been taught to have deference and concern for one another. To have manners before each other. You need to have meaningful manners. And then lastly this evening, you need to have a pattern of praise. You need to have a pattern of praise. It's through praise that we build up. Everybody has something that can be praised. Everybody. I was just trying to think about who to make fun of. (laughs) You know. I pick on my kids enough, you know. We'll say Stephen. Even even Stephen has something we can we can praise. If we look really hard, if we ser- if we search, you know, maybe have a maybe if we all got together and thought together real hard, we could come up with something. Uh, but you no, know what I'm saying, everybody's got something that can be praised, and and we need to have as part of our our habit, our normal life, is finding that and and praising. Make it a pattern of praise in your life. Find and celebrate the strengths of others instead of focusing on their weaknesses. Instead of criticizing or complaining about where they fell short or didn't meet your expectation, praise them for what they accomplished. It's through praise that you let your family know that you're interested and committed in their success. It's through praise that you build up. And it's through criticism that you tear down. Acceptance goes a long ways and acceptance is felt through praise Proverbs 19.11 says the discretion of a man deferreth his anger and it is glory to pass over a transgression he says you know what we're going to defer my anger there's a a spot here there's something we could have criticized you for we could have got upset about this but you know what I'm going to pass over that and we're going to praise what God accomplished You must accept others where they're at. People grow at different paces. People are experiencing different, you know, even your kids. Some, some are going to grow fast. Some are going to get smart quick. Some, some are going to struggle academically, but they're going to be good with their hands. And you know, you guys know every kid's different. You don't ever want to look at Eli and say, man, Eli, how come you can't be more like Lucas? They're different kids. They have different strengths. Different abilities, different, different God given, God given talents, and so you find the strengths that Lucas has and praise those, and find the strengths that Eli has and praise those. It's okay if you criticize Akira, but not the boys. <laughs> no. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna find those strengths and and don't uh, compare them or or expect them to be like them, and, and certainly not somebody else's kids. I say, boy, how come you're not more? Uh, you know, how come you don't act like if I did with one of my kids? How come you're not like Lucas? How come you're not like, why? why? That's going to very, it, it will discourage your children. You don't want to do that. You don't have to accept their sinful actions, but you can still accept them. You can let them know this is what we have with our Lord and Savior. He does never accept our sin. He doesn't ever say our sin's okay, but we know that God loves us. We know that if we come to him at a moment's notice, he is there. And our children ought to be able to know that same thing and understand that we love and respect them and we recognize and acknowledge their strengths. And that's, a, that's, a, that's work for a parent to, to really focus on that because we get very focused on where our kids are struggling And want to help them overcome or grow past some of the struggles. Uh, But we've got to recognize their strength as well. And praise them. Praise them. So if we're going to be effective leaders. We need to develop these things in our lives. It's not just standing up and saying, oh, I'm the leader. I'm the boss. And you're going to do this. No. Do you have gratitude? Do Do you have humility that's evident? Do, do you uh, praise them for their success and the victories that they have? Is this something that you have? Are you committed to self-control and, and being in control of yourself? These are, these are areas where you'll develop as a leader and you'll find that people will follow